Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Level Play Sports Podcast, your source for everything related to athlete brand management. My name is Dave Kalen, and I will be your host for today's episode. And today, we are continuing our discussion about the transfer portal. As you may remember, we had a very interesting discussion about the portal in our last episode and how it might affect an athlete's brand, especially in the time of name image likeness valuations, but also how it affects colleges, coaches, and recruiting, and boosters, and sponsors, and oh yeah, the fans too. But Today, our guest has a unique perspective on the portal, having experienced it multiple times. We'll talk about his unique roundabout football career, what were his motivations for transferring so many times, and and get his thoughts on how other athletes could apply his wisdom in a similar situation. And as always, to join in on the conversation is my lovely co-host, Ricky Denning. Hi, Ricky. Hello, my fave Dave. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing great, just as I hope you are. Oh, yes. So we're uh, getting back to the portal, aren't we? Yeah, we sure are. If you haven't checked out our last episode yet, definitely go give that a listen because it's relevant for today's episode. Let's get into it. Exactly. The NCAA came out with, just, just a few months ago, with stats on athletes entering the transfer portal. And some of it is very interesting. They're just shy of 10,000 college athletes took a step into the transfer portal last year. Wow. Yeah. You know, you know, 25% of them playing football. That seems to have a pretty big majority, at least football. <laughs> yeah. 22% of women's basketball entered the transfer portal and 31% of men's basketball entered the portal. So 31% of all basketball players wanted to go somewhere else. But what was surprising was that only about half the players are actually finding a new school to play for. It said that 60% of football scholarship transfers found a scholarship at their new school. And that goes down to 50% if you throw in all the other sports around there. Very interesting. 18%, so less than one in five of walk-ons, so people who did not have scholarships, that transferred found a scholarship at their new school. About one-third of the FCS transfers, you know, that's the lower division of college football. Right. About one-third of them landed a scholarship at a new school. Let's see, three-quarters of players were at Division One schools, but there were still 22% that went either within or to a Division Two school. So that's still pretty significant. It looks like the transfer portal might not have been as sure or safe of a bet as we might have estimated before it went live. Exactly. It's definitely not a sure thing. A lot of these players, I'm sure, are going, well, I'll just enter the portal and well, let's just see what happens. And I'll, I'm going to roll the dice and I'm going to come out with something better. I'm glad we're reevaluating this versus what we were thinking on our last episode. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so let's bring on today's guest. His name is Tim Dolan, who played his high school football at Bisham Amat High School, which is not too far outside of Los Angeles. And I believe it is where you went to school, right? 
Sure is. Good old Bishop Amat Memorial High School. Let's go Lancers. The Lancers. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Tim and Ricky graduated alongside each other in, when was it? 2016, yeah. Tim and I go way back, all the way back to 2012, freshman year in high school. (laughs) But he's a great guy, and I'm so excited to talk to him today. I have shirts that are older than that, but (laughs) that's... I figured. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) uh, on becoming a football player, Tim has had quite a few very interesting experiences with school transfers. In fact, Tim has played for four college teams during his career, both pre and post transfer portal. I mean, how is that even possible? I don't know. But you know what, Tim is going to be able to explain it a lot better than we will. (laughs) Yeah, well, so without further ado, here's Tim Dolan. Hey, Tim, how you doing? Good, good. Good to see you guys. Oh, great. You know, you have quite a story here. Start from the beginning. Tell me your story. Where did you pursue football after high school? Sure, sure. So I loved high school football. It was a big passion to me. And I had the size for it, right? The God-given ability and talent. So I really wanted to pursue that further, right? I was a decent student, but I didn't know I wasn't getting to college with an academic scholarship that would cover everything. So my goal with my family background and everything, I knew I had to earn some money to go to college. And so did some recruiting and everything. I didn't get too many looks out of high school. I was considering going to the junior college route. And then a division two school in Colorado, Western State, Colorado University reached out to me. They offered a partial with the promise of full later on and it seemed like a good idea colorado is a beautiful state new experiences where's western colorado what city is that in gunnison colorado it's on top of a mountain (laughs) it is one of the top five coldest towns in the u.s it was was really cold there Sounds cool, pun intended. <laughs> yeah, so that was really fun. I met Austin Eckler, running back for the Chargers there. That dude helped me do some pull-ups, so that was a pretty awesome life memory. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I, I stayed there. I redshirted my first year. It was a little disappointing because I was doing really good, but I redshirted. They almost pulled it and had me start a couple games in that season, but we kept the redshirt, and then a year went by, and then I, I trained really hard for the summer because I was going to start my first collegiate start in the year of 2017 at that fall season, and I played the full season. We didn't do too well, but I gained a lot of experience. It was a fun time. And then I made the decision, essentially, like I was paying to go there. Uh, it was really cold. I was away from family, away from a lot of people and struggling, you know, and a bunch of different reasons. So I, I made the decision, I need to leave that place. If they couldn't come up with the rest of the money, like they said they could, I had to just take things into my own hands. I didn't want to pay student loans to be miserable, basically, in Colorado. So yeah, that's a very smart financial decision and a good decision for your future and what's best for you as a student and an athlete. Yeah, we we have to kind of make those decisions sometimes, you know, and especially 18 years old, you're seen as an adult. And on these recruiting trips, they make everything seem beautiful and they'll just say whatever they need to to get you to sign the paper. Right. So it's important to kind of keep that level head and realize you're in charge of where you're at in life. And it's up to you if you don't like it to change that environment. So I ended up coming back home to California. I went to the junior college, Mount San Antonio College, Mount Sac. Mount Sac. Yeah, here in Walnut, California. Mm -hmm. Loved my time there. All of 2018, that year I was there. I trained with the guys, met a lot of great people, met a lot of good coaches. I learned a lot about the game. And the recruitment potential from there was really great. It's the best recruiting I had seen because out of high school, I didn't get too many looks for whatever reason. But their connections there really helped me get my name out there. And I really took a personal interest in developing my own highlight tape, developing what I'm actually putting out there to these recruiting coaches. Because before it was, I didn't take that much of a personal stake out of high school. I had so many other things going on. I was young. I didn't 
didn't really think it was all that important, but you have to own your product. You basically have to sell yourself to these coaches, especially if you want a higher level. You have to present to them why they should basically spend money to get you on the team, right? Why you would add value to their team. And so with the highlight tape, it's very specific. You want some really popping, really great blocks and everything, great plays in the first couple seconds, Absolutely. right? Because everyone has valuable time. So that's when I took an interest in that. And I saw great recruiting opportunities out of there. I saw a Division One FCS school, a Houston Baptist offered me that year. A lot of Division Twos across the country offered me that year. And my biggest goal was to just get a full scholarship. I didn't care what level I played. I just needed it paid for, right? Mel's had paid for you? Well, what's interesting about California, they actually cover the first year of your junior college education. So that essentially paid for my schooling at Mount Sac. Ah, okay. <laughs> I got a part-time job and Mount Sac provided us, they had bread, peanut butter jellies and cup noodles, right? So before practice, I would have two peanut butter jellies <laughs> and a cup noodle as my meal for the day before I got home. Not sponsored by a booster, I hope. No, nothing like that. No. <laughs> it was just, there were guys that were like eight people to a room, man. The junior college life is... It's a struggle for a lot of people, but that solidarity and, and forging something better for yourself and fighting for that opportunity with your brothers in the locker room, there's a lot of tension, but it can make a really good environment to foster growth. Was it like what we see in the second chance you on Netflix? <laughs> so I've heard that that's really great. I haven't seen it myself. I'll have to check it out. They almost actually did another season of that at Mount Sac, but that didn't end up going through. So I can't speak to the accuracy of it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I do I do get amped up for some of the football movies that, that do come out. So yeah, essentially it is, you know, it is a, is a big struggle, but it's worth it in the end because you kind of go how far your God-given abilities grant you and, and then it's just up to you, right? Are you going to put in the work? Because hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And if you can get some solid film together, then you have a shot. It depends what your goal is. If your goal is just education, if your goal is to just play college, there are many, many options, many resources to do that at every level. Well, that's interesting. And so what was your long term goal? Was it to get the education or was it to play in the NFL or any other professional league that's out there now? My goal was to make my mama proud, man. A lot of people in my family sacrificed to give me the opportunity to do the things I do. So the only goal was to graduate college. You know, I never had any okay. dreams as a kid to be in the NFL. I'm a huge nerd, actually. I like <laughs> talk to me about anything nerd and I can give you a list of superhero names and everything before I could give you NFL player names and stats. But I just love everything the sport brings and everything it challenges of the players and of the coaches. So I kind of love that environment. And it took people telling me like, hey, you have potential here. You have the size, you have the drive, you have the learning ability. So in college, I developed like, let me push, see how far I can go. And that drove me to want to get a D1 scholarship and all these other things. But for the longest time, the main goal was to graduate college, have it paid for, not come out with thousands and thousands of dollars of debt. I do have a little bit of student loans, but far less than I'd, I'd assume an average person. Well, that's great. Yeah, you probably have a lot less <laughs> a lot less debt than your peers. So scholarships was really your biggest motivating factor on deciding where to go from Mount Sac. So tell me about the offer you accepted and why you accepted it. Yeah, so like I said, I had a couple offers from D2s around the country and then one Division One offer, which was appealing. You know, I went on recruitment trips. Everything was great. And really, it was just Azusa Pacific University was a Division Two school, you know, in my backyard. It's in Southern California. It's one of the only Division Twos in California entirely. And I feel like a dunce cap because I didn't look into them out of high school. You know, would have been great to go there from the start. But I ended up accepting their opportunity because, again, it met my full scholarship requirements and I was able to stay close with family. And I also thought post-college, 
college, my business career, a lot of times other schools would talk about, yeah, we have all these connections and everything, but they're for this town, they're for this state, right? And I thought all my family is based in California. It'd be good to graduate from here, have accreditation with that, that, that is recognized in the state that I can use a network of alumni to my benefit because that's where I'm going to be. And so that was the main kind of focus there. Also, just personally, like they're a Christian university, and I thought it'd be an interesting perspective to kind of get thrown back into that. I really loved my time at APU. That's not the end of your story, though. No, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, so I I met some great guys. I love the coaching staff that was there, really made an impact on my life. And we played a great, I mean, we didn't do very well in the season, but there was a lot of emotions there and and a lot of well-fought battles. And I was really amped up and excited about the next season in 2020. And everyone knows, you know, the world kind of shut down for a while in March, right? So that whole time was interesting because I was going to be my last year. I was a senior now or going to be. And it's like, I need to be this leadership role. I need to lead by example. And they really were encouraging people to stay close. And that's what I loved about that team specifically. I've never experienced player leadership to that level. We would keep each other accountable. We had our own workouts and punishment systems. If people were falling out of line, we had groups where the leader would have to do punishment if someone in their group messed up, right? In solidarity. So there were things of player leadership that were great there. And over the summer when all these things were happening and in California, especially parks were closed down. They were fenced off. I'm giant, right? I'm 6'5", 300 plus pounds. And I was hopping fences to get into a field just so we could get some practice in. And then eventually we got the new guys to come in. We got some other people. We getting like went from three to like 10, 15 guys sometimes. And that was a really great lesson of leadership and everything. And I really appreciated that. And so what happened was throughout that year of COVID, that 2020 fall season, they moved us to a parking lot workout system and where you moved all the weight room outside. Wait, what? They moved you to the parking lot? Yeah. We literally lifted the bars, the racks, the weights, all of it with like one day's of work into a parking lot outside of the field. Wow. <laughs> yeah, to, to comply with COVID regulations. And so we still got work in that fall. It was a really great team building experience, new coaches and everything. We were excited for the next opportunity to play. And then December rolls around, finals roll around, and we get told that they're making the decision to cut the football program. Wow. After all that and all of that effort from your team to come together and really strive to make everything happen, even through the pandemic, just for them to turn around and say, oh, well, never mind. Football program's closing it here at APU. It must have been a big letdown. Yeah. Tragedy for sure. A lot of bad feelings with the timing as well, because I was already stressed. I'm about to graduate and I'm doing capstone projects. I have 30 page papers due. It's finals week. I'm at a job. I'm literally sitting at my security desk when I get the information and I'm thinking, okay, this week I need to really focus, buckle down, study. I need to get this paper done. And then I get the news they're cutting the program and I go on that Zoom call and afterwards I'm immediately, okay, I need to spend two days making a highlight tape and going through all my film and critiquing it and writing down notes of what's good, what's bad. I have to go through every play of the game, get exactly the perfect highlights so that I can get good recruitment. You were immediately trying to think of your next step as soon as you got that information. As an athlete that takes football seriously, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. The early signing day was two days after they told us in December. And you would either leave and be in another part of the country at another school by January, or you would have to wait until fall. So it mattered for a lot of people. And for me, like I said, I now did have NFL aspirations. I wanted to push this career as far as I could take it. And I was making great progress in the fall. And so I was like, all gas, no brakes. Like there's no time to stop. I need to push forward and get this highlight tape out as soon as possible, go on these trips. Recruiting dead periods are going to start soon. And I need to be in front of this, right? So yeah, it was a very stressful time. I can imagine. Because so not only was it bad news, but it was also bad timing. Yes, yes. 
And it was crunch time too. I mean, it sounds like all of a sudden you had to kick it into high gear to figure out what you're going to do next. So what did you do next? You got to do what you got to do. And I did pass the classes. I did end up finishing the paper and everything, which was awesome. Well, of course. What I actually will appreciate, the Mount Sat coaches, even then, they reached out to me as soon as I hung up the phone call. They had heard early. And so they were already putting my name out there again with their system. So that helped me a ton again. So super thankful to the coaches there for putting my name back out there. And so I got a lot of the same people I had the year before reach out and even other new people reaching out after I have new film. So yeah, it was really just I had to make a decision. Did I want to leave somewhere in early January? Or did I want to basically wait, graduate here at APU and then focus on leaving in the summer? And it was a tough call. There was a lot of things going on in my life that were just making things rocky and football was the only thing that was stable essentially. And now it was like, now you have to move somewhere. It's unless you get into USC or UCLA or some other thing, like you have to move. And it's like, that is unfortunate. And I can get a little personal here for a second. It was basically Christmas day and I go there, you know, I'm at my mom's house and we're all celebrating together. And my mom is telling me how my uncle Frank is doing pretty bad medically. And my mom and her brother are taking care of him at his house. And this guy is like a father to me when I didn't have one as much growing up and he meant a lot to me and he wasn't doing so hot and they were struggling to take care of him. So I had always felt like I'm doing everything I'm doing to give back to them. I want to make the most of the opportunity that they gave me because they raised me and sacrificed so much to put me where I am. But I had always felt selfish because I'm having fun being a student athlete and living my life and having a great time while they're struggling to pay bills or whatever it is. And so I really saw an opportunity to where I can put this on pause. I don't have to go somewhere in January. It's not the best decision for my football career because this has been a year and a half now at this point where I haven't touched a field. I'm rusty. I'm out of practice. And a a lot of the coaches were telling me, look, if this is important to you, you need to be playing this spring. All a bunch of schools were having spring seasons and COVID seasons. And a lot of guys went right away to get that practice. And I elected to stay back and do my classes at APU. And I basically moved in to my uncle's living room just so I could help out and be around them. Right. And that was a great gift to me in the end. I, you know, it was a shifting of priority and it did affect my football career. It was hard to keep up a standard and hold yourself accountable when you're taking care of somebody, doing full-time classes and going to work and trying to hit every workout and excel, right? To be a world-class athlete, you need a world-class work ethic and you need a world-class dedication. Being in that environment versus being in the football environment again, where iron sharpens iron and you're with your brothers and you're fighting and you're learning and breaking that rust, right? I definitely saw some steps backward in my progress as a football athlete in those six months, but I still feel like it was the right decision. I loved my time there. I learned a lot. But then even that is not the end of the story. It's not. So in May, Western Illinois calls. They actually called in January, but I told them I can't go if I can't get a full and I'll stay and we'll, t we'll reconvene in May. And so they came back with the full scholarship and I was all for it. You know, it's a level up. My mindset was really like, look, I've been through D2. I've done that route and I know I can be happy that I can play. I'll be fine. But I've done this recruiting trip like three times now. And if I'm going to be done with my college career, if I'm going to like give my best here, I want to experience it. So I decided to go with Western. Illinois University. They're in the toughest conference in the FCS, D1AA. And I love it here. It was a great experience. I moved here. Me and my now wife, we got married. We moved across the country and we had a baby now and just to play some football. Well, that's great. What conference is that? The Missouri Valley Football Conference. Hmm. This past year, we played Eastern Washington, Montana, the Grizzlies, just to name a few, like in the Big Sky Conference that might be more familiar to the California setting. But yeah, we played some of the toughest competition in the FCS, like it's the highest ranked conference. So we really played against like some high scoring offenses and we really had really good shots against them, really great, tight, close knit games. 
I learned a lot this season with football and it was really a challenge for me at this level. And I think I put myself to the test. And I've always been a guy where I love every person on the team. I love everyone in their role. I've been every role. I've been the starter. I've been the second team. I've been the scout team. I've been the practice squad guy. And they all matter to work together and build. So I embraced my time there and love giving everything I had to the sport I love. That's that's great. And so from there, oh gosh. So you ended your career there. Yes. So I wasn't a consistent starter or anything. I didn't get the playtime I would have wanted at that level. And I actually had an injury my last game before the game started. I had a knee injury. And so I was kind of out for the count. And also my daughter was born on October 31st this past year, Halloween. So for me personally, priorities shifted a little bit. You know, I'm now a father and I wasn't so concerned with needing to go pro or anything. So that kind of shifted for me. And there were opportunities to go for pro days and opportunities to go to dream bowls or, or whatever you may have it. But I was just very content being a stay-at-home dad. I told you in the beginning, like I never wanted to be an NFL player. I always wanted to be a great dad. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I joke that eight years of blood, sweat, and tears with football paid for six months free rent. So I've been able to have a blessed time being a stay-at-home dad for a little bit while I'm trying to finish my master's. For everybody out there, we're recording this a couple of days after Father's Day. So that's a great Father's Day message for everyone out there. 100%. I love talking about that. That's my whole shtick. And she actually started crawling the day before Father's Day. So she's mobile now. <laughs> oh, it's all over now. Yeah. No, but that's amazing that you got to be there for that and be around for her. Obviously, you put your family before football every single time that you had to step up for them. And I think that's really amazing. But just to go back to talk about football for a second here, did you utilize the college transfer portal? Was that something that you put your name into? Or is that something that the Mount Sac coaches submitted you into? My name was in there. It was always in there. What I've seen from there, it's like a basic profile. It tells people your stats, your height and weight, and your name and where you've played. These schools did have, especially Mount Sac, they had guidance counselors that would help you, first of all, pass your classes, make sure that you are eligible. That was the big thing that they focused on, making sure you were eligible to transfer out with a good GPA because that will stop people from even going anywhere out the gate. What I found was a better tool and a resource that I used throughout the college career was Twitter. You know, a lot of coaches are on there and they're always talking about things and they're reaching out through Twitter DMs and talking to you through any way they can get in contact with you, whether it's email or whatever it may be, a phone call. Is it a violation of any sort just through Twitter? The thing is, there's dead periods, right? So you won't get any messages there and they'll be open and upfront with it. And they'll be like, hey, you know, we can talk till this point or whatever. But a lot of times it's just genuine interest, you know, how you're doing, what's your options looking like? What are you thinking you're going to do? It's kind of like dating with recruiting. Like you can get a lot of the upfront, like, do we match? Do we not out of the way with a quick message? So it's, it's an efficient platform to put up your own film and to post examples of your workouts, post different things and reach out to coaches, talk like I'm a coach at this school, whatever. It's easy to look them up and vice versa with players. So social media was definitely being used not just by the players, but also by the coaches in recruiting. That's kind of crazy when you think about it. 100%. They just want people that can play and they want people that can prove it. So that's a good place to put your highlight tape. And I actually got on Twitter back in high school talking to coaches that were coming into Amat that were talking to us and they wanted a place to reach out to us and that, yeah, you should get a Twitter. Like, okay, I'm not a big social media guy. I wasn't before, but I got it for football. And what's important to make clear is like, just like the portal would do where it makes it clear, this is your name, this is your height, weight, this is where you played at. Your profile needs to be something that's presentable. It needs to be something that is clear. Like, this is my name. This is where I was from. This is my highlight tape, like right here, like making it easier for coaches that are looking to find you. Gotcha. That's an essential part of it, really. 
Well, that's interesting because, I mean, you know, you're using social media so much. You're not a social media creature so much, but it's interesting how many other college athletes are like that, which kind of brings us to the next topic, which is the name image likeness, the NIL. Did it have any kind of influence on your decisions or you know where you wanted to go or what you might have done differently? Or did you see it have impact on your teammates' decisions for where they ended up going? It just came into play right when I was in my last ride or die season at Western. But I did see over there for summer, some guys were already signing up with different companies. I know Barstool athletes signed up almost any college athlete that applied to be a Barstool athlete and they will get free merch and things like that. And they want you to represent the brand. Uh, Energy drinks like C4, I know a bunch of kickers that are just jacked, you know, really well built. And they're representing C4 with their posts sometimes. And so they'll get affiliate money for that. And and there were jokes, you know, we're going to go to the hometown cafe and get them to sponsor us. (laughs) But yeah. It is something to look at depending on the school you're going to, right? If you're at that high level where the big money does come in, you know, there was, I think, a quarterback that went to Bama, got like a million dollar NIL deal before even playing a snap or being at practice. So in that regard, yeah, it can have a huge impact depending on the level of the school and the visibility, I guess, of, of your namesake. Exactly. I mean, obviously, this is a couple of years post your career and NIL didn't get a start. But what advice would you give to somebody in your situation today? I would say know what you sign up for, for sure. Getting free merch is fun and all, but if your likeness is contracted to these people for a certain amount of years, that's not something you want to deal with. I'd say the bigger win here is not even just the sponsorships you can get, but just the fact that you can now use your own name and brand. Your personal brand can start. It's a big thing that they had compliance meetings with us all the time every year at the start of each season. We have a big old NCAA compliance meeting or they'll break it up into chunks and we'll have to read from the book after practice during fall camp. And if you fall asleep, you got gassers. But no, it's important because they would always stress you cannot use your name. You are this athlete for the school. And there were athletes that would be models, right? And do work like that, but they don't own their image and likeness. And so I think the biggest win here is not even just the things that you can get people to sponsor you for, but just owning that yourself. Like a lot of people will be streamers or have a YouTube career or something during their college time and they can actually use their own name now. I'm doing a lot of work and this whole six months, like I talked about, I didn't have to get a job yet. So I did a lot of research into online business and how to build a personal brand. And so that's what I've been doing the past six months. I'm kind of out of the athlete world now, but still, like, I would encourage anybody to do some research into creating a personal brand and making money online because we're in a unique time where really you just need the passion and the drive and you can build a following and make money on your personal brand. There's a lot of lucrative money there. It's not a condensed market or a conflated market. The internet is kind of exponential growth to a sense. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, well, no, definitely. And uh, of course, you've parlayed this into a good segue. Tell us about your podcast. Sure. Yeah. So I'm doing a podcast with my buddy James. It's called the Stage Clear Podcast. We're just two big nerds that would talk for a long time. And then we had started talking about other things as well. And I thought we should just hit the record button. So what I'm doing with my personal brand, like we talked about social media usage, and I didn't used to be a creature of it. But now that's just a part of it. If you want to build a following, you want to get people to trust what you're saying and believe in you, you know, your message, you have to put content out there. So now I'm very active on Twitter. I talk a lot about self-improvement, being a good dad, things I've learned along the way through my football career and those life lessons. And I'm trying to share those with other people on Twitter. Officially, it's like Tim Dolan life coach. So I'm really trying to get people to become the best versions of themselves. And my whole goal is to kind of fix the world's problems one dad at a time. It's my tagline. I want to 
help people become the best version of themselves through my experience, through football, what I've learned, through being a dad. You have a tagline and a really great explanation behind it and a great message. And it sounds like you've put a lot of work into building that personal brand post-athletic career. And that's something that I think a lot of college athletes should focus on doing is building out who they are for the next stages of their life and sharing that with their online communities. 100%. You know, athletes go through identity crisis because they see themselves as a student athlete and that's it. Or they see themselves as just the football player. But it's important to know that you're worth more than that. You have more value than that to yourself, to your family, to your marriage, to your society, and to really capitalize on that, you know, delve into that. Don't be scared. Like, take a dive. Like, what else are you besides a football player? And I thought I would have a big trouble with it after my last game because I love so much the sport. Every year it was something that was greater than myself to give my efforts to. And now I'm a father. Now it's like, this is the best leadership role I'll ever have. This is like, so. this means so much more to me. And it's what I always wanted to do. So that's where I kind of transitioned that identity crisis. So that's really, really good advice for younger college football players who are kind of following in your footsteps and are now graduating and looking at where to go with the next stages of their lives. What other advice do you have for those student athletes? Like I said, especially with NIL, just take your personal brand seriously, like own up to what you want to do. And, and if you want to make money online, you have to get a following, you have to share your experiences, right? And that's an important part of it. But as far as like an athlete perspective, just look at the statistics. It's less than 1%, you know, is going to reach that end goal of NFL. Or There's a lot of other leagues out there nowadays, which is awesome. I have friends playing in Australia. I have friends playing in Canada. I have friends playing the XFL. I have friends doing semi-pro, you know, if you love the game, you can keep playing, but there is more to it, I'd say, you know, so don't be afraid to look into that. Interesting. You're very interesting. Good advice. And I appreciate the time to, to say all that. I know I kind of gave my whole spiel here, but love the opportunity you guys to, to reach out and, and discuss these things that I'm passionate about because football forges that. There's a lot of life lessons in football and they can be directly applied to your personal life. And you want to be a better football player, it takes time, attention, and detail. You want to be a better father, a better husband, a better whatever in your life, it takes time, attention, and detail. And if it's important to you, if you're dedicated, you'll make it happen. That's great. Well, you have quite an interesting, fascinating story, and I'm glad where it took you and where it will take you. So, Tim, I think we'll wrap things up, but say it was great talking to you. And everybody out there, be sure to check out Tim's podcast. So, Tim, good talking to you. I really appreciate the opportunity, Dave. Great meeting you. Great talking to you again, Ricky. Thank you so much, Tim, for being our very first post-college student athlete who has been on this podcast. Awesome. First of many, I'm sure. Of course. Woo! We did it. <laughs> and that will bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Level Play Sports Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this discussion of the Transfer Portal Part 2, and I hope you learned something along the way. I'd like to thank Tim Dolan, who gave us some great insight as he mentioned, he has a podcast. It's called the Stage Clear Podcast, and that can be found on all podcast platforms, just like us. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe and you'll be notified of future episodes. Also, if you like what you heard, then feel free to leave something in the comments or send us a note. I can be reached at Dave at levelplaysports.com and you can find me at rickiana at levelplaysports.com and if you don't know how to spell that then you're just SOL <laughs> just kidding it's R-I-K-I-A-N-A at levelplaysports.com thank you 
<laughs> we are on social media, of course. So give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Level Play Sports. And also write us a review on wherever you consume your podcasts. And Tim, can you make our audience's day by letting us know the best way to get in touch with you? Yes, my Twitter tagline is at Tim Dolan underscore LC. Okay, great. Thanks. Now, of course, don't be a troll. But if you'd like to discuss anything that we've been talking about here or have any ideas for a future episode, then we would love to hear from you. Okay, well, that's it for now. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Level Play Sports Podcast, where we will discuss athlete brand management in more detail. For the Level Play Sports Podcast, I'm Dave Kalen. And I'm Ricky Denning. Have a good one.